0: so it's seven meters out australia needs to try to win the game cobain takes the line out australia trying to drive ahead Regan again and larkham kiffu
1: Welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast, another weekend of rugby done and dusted. We've got Six Nations, Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa all going on this weekend. Uh, Lots to talk about, boys. I'm joined with Leo and Toby, as always. And probably the biggest news from the weekend, guys, came out of the Six Nations. We've had only two games, um, the French-Scotland game postponed due to more French players being diagnosed with COVID and it's not exactly clear when they're going to be able to play this game going forward now um, Italy succumbed to Ireland a 38 point loss and the biggest point and what I want to get to is the Welsh-England game Wales winning 40-24 to but this game marred in a lot of refereeing controversy uh, by the French ref um, Pascal Gazier. Um, and it was the first two tries from Wales. First off, uh, calling time on potentially while England's still in a huddle, having a chat from Owen Farrell after the referees pushed him for that with Waterboys on the field. Um, and then the second, a bit of a controversy about whether there was a knock-on. What is a knock-on? How it works? Boys, I'm sure you've seen some of the videos, read some of the articles about this. What are your initial thoughts? first on the the quick chip kick across field from Dan Bigger, um while Owen Farrell's still chatting to the team.
0: So I, I've just I've been back to look at the video and actually just checked how long it was um, between sort of the discussion with the ref and the call time on. So, In this circumstance, Farrell goes back to the team and about 8 to 10 seconds later, Bigger's asking if he can get time on, like where's the mark. Ref sets the mark and probably 12 seconds after Farrell's been turned around, Bigger's taking his chip kick and setting up the try. So I think what... I think it's just a bit of casualness that's crept into the game around, um, you know, have a conversation with your team. Well, that's... That's not I'm giving you 30 seconds. It's like go and have a conversation. And sometimes players grab everyone in a huddle and have a long-winded chat. And other times they just look up and down the line and say whatever they say and it's all over, you know. So I think it's still incumbent on the English side to to remain ready because they don't. there's no predetermined amount of time before the time's back on. And obviously Bigger was pushing for it because he could see there's an angle um, to score some points. Mm. But I guess the ref probably needed to be more aware of how many... Um, randoms were on the field. Like you got water boys on the Welsh and the English sides, getting around, handing out bottles. 16 minutes into a game, like I'm, I'm always going to be strong on get these blokes off the field. Like at least, like if you're going to have a break, like 16 minutes in, are you kidding me? They shouldn't be there. So either teams are going to have to play around them, or the refs should be kicking them off and getting the game started. Then just to show he's serious, and you know we're getting back into this. Boys, time to pay attention.
2: It's surprising, though, I mean, how quickly it seemed, like, in real time. I mean, when you go back and kind of time it, yeah, you know, but he had to walk back a significant distance from the referee. And I think usually a referee kind of prompt the team, rightly or wrongly, and say, let's go, boys, come on. But, I mean, obviously, if he had done that, the tactic wouldn't have worked. So I think it's just Wales playing what's in front of them. And although it may seem a little unfair, I think it wasn't completely unreasonable, and... Yeah, I think this the, the rub of the green was with Wales on the day, really.
1: What about yeah. the um, second try where Wales have gone wide? There's been sort of a bobbled pass. Um, I think it was Rhys Zamet. Uh, and he sort of dropped it, probably forward, but it's come off sort of his own leg. And he sort of hit it with his calf and it's gone backwards um, and then been... Uh, pushed forward by the England players, Liam Williams come through and gathered the ball and gone over the line. Now they've gone to the TMO for this and they've called this as an on-field decision of a try. But we need to check a knock on. And I think, I mean, there's multiple pictures of the Welsh players' faces after it gets awarded a try, um, being very surprised with that as the as the end result. And I think most people looking at it would just be like, oh, the guy's lost control of it. Doesn't matter if he's sort of knocked it with his leg as it's as it's as he's dropped it um, to get it behind back. He's lost control forward, so it should be a knock on.
0: Again, like without going and checking the the rule book for the exact wording, um, if you've if you've lost control of the ball, I think that's generally called up as a knock on, or at least you know advantage given to the other team and playing playing the knock on. But in the in the you know, fine line of the law, if if you've fumbled it, but you then stick a leg out either intentionally or unintentionally and manage to kick it, um, like, there's probably not enough detail in the law to say, well, that is a knock-on because it was unintentional or it's not a knock-on because it was intentional. Like, it probably just gets called one way, 9 out of 10, and when it gets called in an international match the other way, potentially within the laws... You know, it creates a scene, which you know this probably gets called in other levels of rugby, local rugby, regional, district competitions, and you never hear about it because none of that's televised. It's not, you know, sheep stations for anyone. But when it happens on the international stage, it's going to be huge. And again, it probably just means we need to go back and look at the way the laws are written. If we don't think that's fair, then it needs to be written um, in an objective way, so it's not interpretive of whether someone intended to do something or not, because they're always going to be biased to the outcome. You intended to do it if it you know scored you a try,
2: mm. Mm. I feel like we've gone away from you know often I guess twenty years ago I remember when we were playing, if you kind of mishandled the ball but got a got a toe to it before it hit the ground, that you'd often get away with that, but I think more recently it it has been there's been more of a focus on control of the the catch or whatever or how long you're holding the ball before it gets put on the toe. So I feel like more often than not, currently, those sort of instances would be called a knock-on. Yeah. But there is still, like, there is still room for movement in that interpretation. And so I think maybe it's maybe it's more likely to be called a knock-on than not, but it's still up to the referee to discern that. And, again, I think Wales just got a bit lucky with this.
0: Mm. And you'd have to say, like, you don't want laws written that, give like that make the ref decide was that intentional or not cuz you're going to get these players with amazing skills you know either throwing passes behind their back dropping the ball onto their heel and chipping over their head like at some point someone's going to do it and they're going to half pull it off and was it all intentional was it you know intending to do one thing got a different outcome it, i wouldn't i wouldn't support having rules that ask the ref to say was that intentional or not it's got to be more black and white that if the ball traveled forward and the player didn't have control when it you know, encountered another player, the ground, a certain part of their own body like that's how black and white it's got to be for me so you don't get this controversy and then you just play to the rule.
1: It's interesting that you call it like that when there seems to be a bit of a push back um, for refs to particularly in areas of foul play to do things a bit more um, with common sense in terms of maybe not dealing out, dealing out some of the harsher punishments um, by saying that it uh, probably wasn't intentional. I mean, we saw more red cards uh, on the weekend in the Reds versus the Rebels match up there in Queensland. Um, a very highly penalised match. referee had a lot to do um, in this game. I think there was a total of 32 penalties or something in the game. Um, so getting up towards that sort of one every two to three minutes sort of thing, so it doesn't leave a lot of space for... Um, running rugby in there. But Reds take it, 23-21. Rebels, just off the boot of Tamua, had a chance to win the game at the end, but um, just pushed his penalty kick uh, out to the left and cost the Rebels uh, an upset victory, which it would have been um, against the Reds coming off a strong week one.
0: Yeah, look, I think the Rebels actually played pretty well in this game. I think the Reds were certainly lucky uh, in parts, to to stay in touch with the number of errors, they they had unforced errors of their own just from what they were blaming the dewy ball and the conditions. Um, you know they were trying to play a more expansive, open game and and it just wasn't coming off. But the rebels did what they do well, which was chip away, score score penalties and and their defence was really abrasive. They really confronted the reds and tried to shut them down, put them under pressure, generated some of the other errors. Um, so it's not. I feel like the two losing sides in the Super Rugby AU. It's not all doom and gloom. It's it's not the result either team wanted, but it. But there's definitely something there for the Rebels. I think some of their um, outside backs, who most people aren't very familiar with, myself included, there's actually some some promising uh, signs out there, outside Timur, um, outside Reese Hodge. Um, I think they looked good as a. As a pair with um, Tamua and Joe Powell, and there was there was some signs of, of strength in the forwards too. Um, you know that they're, they're going to be a challenging team who have a chance to upset, and they'll be very disappointed they didn't get the result because the last thing they need is more bad luck results.
2: Definitely, the Reds didn't didn't execute how they should have um, compared to week one, and I think they were the far better team, and the Rebels did. To their credit, they did play well. I wouldn't necessarily say it's not doom and gloom for the Waratahs, which we'll get to shortly, but that was that was pretty, a pretty epic loss there. Um, but the Rebels have almost overperformed, I think, based on their roster. Um, I I still question if they lose tomorrow. If they lose Hodge, have a key injury there, I think they'll really struggle for structure. Um, but with what they've got at the moment... If they play to this game plan, I think they will keep games tight and they will kind of steal the occasional game. Um, but we've got to actually see, I think, over a, a bigger sample size because this could be them playing to their the top of their potential almost, I think. Um, the Reds, they're not quite as polished as the Brumbies. Um, but, you know, they, they can win pretty and they can win ugly and I think they did what they had to do. <clears throat> and obviously... Tamura had the chance to steal it, but in the end, I think the better team won the game, and I think the Reds will show this year that they do win these close, tight encounters, which, again, I think we'll, we'll see them play at the, in the final this year.
1: Just going back to the Rebels, um, I think we... Well, I know I expected to see Rhys Hodge um, set there in fullback rather than in at 12. What do you guys think? Are they trying to... Bring him in as a just all out 12 now? Is this just so he, we, he doesn't get moved around if Dane Haley Petty sort of comes back into the fold or anything like that? Um, I was just, I was very surprised that uh, Pincus uh, got the start at 15. Didn't have a bad game by any extent, but nothing really that amazing. I we feel like.
0: That, I think you could be honest saying that, like, when Haley Petty comes back from the the long-term concussion uh, recoveries on. Like, you, you don't want Hodge to be displaced and, and then, you know, trying to find combinations again. Um, they've probably looked at his utility and the guys they've got on the rest of the roster and said, okay, well, we can put you where, you know, pick pick the best guys we've got in the other positions around and, and you can probably fit in just about anywhere. Like, Korobiti picks himself... Um, I think Pink has mostly played a bit of wing last year. I don't remember him playing any fullback because obviously Hodge and Tahilet Petty would have been there. But he must have some um, background there as well. And then it's Anderson who's come in from the sevens. If I'm yeah, remembering correctly, he and, and he looked really good on the wing. He was one of the guys that actually stood out to me and looked looked like he you know there's some potential there too. Uh, and Ily in the in outside centre. So like they're sort of a bunch of no names. Yeah outside, Tamua Hodge, or Pe- well, I mean, there's only really three, but they, they actually held their own. I think what really, what cursed the Rebels, like, they didn't score tries, obviously. They didn't look like scoring tries. No. I don't, I don't think they got, like, their minutes in the 22 must have been, like, two minutes per half or something. So they really mm-hmm. didn't have any penetration in attack, um, which is why, I guess, they were electing to take the penalties when they were there, because they weren't confident against this Reds defence. But even against... The other defenses they're going to come up against. Um, I, I don't know they're going to find a a much softer defense in Super Rugby AU. The the defenses are actually all sort of you know playing playing reasonably well so far. I I believe I know yeah it's Not good we'll have a we'll have a contrasting opinion on Waratahs it's good. Um, but yeah they need some penetration. They, the, those guys there's potential there. but They need to find a way to get the ball out to them in some space so they can do what they do best. And they just looked really flat. Their defence was hard nosed, but their attack was just vanilla just just no penetration, no n- minimal advantage line gains. Um, the Reds definitely had their number, and I think that's where they're going to struggle if they can't score tries this year.
1: Is that because they don't have the the ball carriers to break the line, or is it a structure thing? Is
0: it? I think it's more structure. But and I was going to lead into this more around the Waratahs and the Brumbies. Um, the rebels and the Waratahs look like they don't have a, a structure which is giving them enough options that they're forcing the defence to make decisions. If if it's if you're telegraphing what you're going to do, if the guys in the opposition defensive line can just man up, like mm. you, you know, it's all going to be you know subtle, um, you know, passes or you know, sleight of hand almost that that deceives them right as they're as you're meeting the line it just looks like you can cover their defense. You can slide good communication in in the line and and you'll have the Rebels' number. So I I just didn't think they showed that much. And you contrast that with the Brumbies. If if you are watching um, on the the stand service and you're watching the the halftime breakdowns, they're going through the different structures for the Reds and the Brumbies and showing how they're creating all these options and forcing the defense to man up here, but also giving themselves options to go away from those... Mm. Um, those defensive lines and and into gaps so I don't think that I think that's almost what's the two tiers of the teams at the moment, the Reds and the, and the Brumbies are doing that and the other defences can't handle it for 80 minutes and the Rebels and mm-hmm. the Waratahs just look vanilla
2: mm. and I think that's the problem, if the Rebels if their defence does lack that sort of stability in a game you'd see just games getting away from them pretty quickly and it It means that they can't respond because they don't have that many attacking options. And maybe that will change with DHP back. Maybe that opens things up a little bit. Um, It creates a bit of a stronger back three. I think you're right with Hodge. I think they're trying to find a place for him where he can stay longer term. Um, It's not 10. It's probably not on the wing. It's probably his best two places in the the back line are 12 and 15. I think we prefer him at 15, but... I guess Dave Vessels only has so much to work with down there and he needs to shore up that midfield, I think, and put a bit of experience in there. Um, But, yeah, I think overall the Rebels might... Yeah, they might lack that try-scoring nous across the team. And I think their forwards probably stood up in this one more than I thought they would. Your boy Richard Hardwick, Leo, I think he's um, probably had his best game in a Rebels jersey, unfortunately. For you and um, he's probably at a stage where he's a bit fitter he was making those pilfers and I think he was pretty decent but yeah I think the Rebels almost, they stepped up quite a bit in this game and I, I'm not sure we're going to see that in every game
0: going forward. Well I hope they, I hope they have something in, in their confidence um, because they weren't terrible in this game but it does feel like a structural problem and that means that they're going to be relying on individual brilliance in the moment to, to, to break through opposition, defence, and if you've got any chance of getting into even the final, let alone winning it, like, you've got to be better than the Reds and the Brumbies at some point, and they just don't look like they're capable at the moment.
1: Just before we move on to that, the Brumbies game, which I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about, how good was that hit by Hunter on Tamu in the <laughs> first sort of 10 minutes of this game? <laughs>
0: I think uh, that's it.
2: season.
0: I yeah. was... I don't know. It's an early call, but...
1: Hunter by name, Hunter by nature is the best quote I've seen to describe that. It's just some brutal hits that Hunter Paisami seems to be being able to put on uh, lately, and it seems that he's got his timing, he's got his height sort of pretty much perfect on a lot of these. I know that he did get that final penalty that almost gave away the chance to win it. But yeah, so again, showing that despite being a bit of a smaller... Guy in height, he doesn't lack any sort of power on the punch. And that's He's
2: another eight.
1: That's insane. And, and that's another
0: perfect illustration of if the opposition can read your attack because you're not really, you know, providing yourself with a variety. Yeah. Hunter's Hunt gonna destroy Tamura again next time. There's like two options: the ball's either going to that forward runner, or it's going to Tamura out the back. Well, I'm just gonna rush up and crush you. What do we do, say? Turn him into custard or something? Like.
2: <laughs> Melted him. Melted him. <laughs> and Tamura, he got up like, again. He's a tough, tough guy. He's a tough competitor, and I mean, he's had his issues with concussions too. So I don't know. It's it, it it you don't like to see one of the most prominent Wallabies players, I guess, in some ways, getting absolutely melted like that. But Hunter is the up and coming guy. That's um, you know. He's notable at training. They were talking about this last year in Wallaby's camp. He's, he's got a couple of shoulders on him. Like, for a guy of that size hitting that hard, the t- I mean, most of it is timing. Pretty perfect. And even the second one where he did get penalised, yeah, he, he knew he was a little bit high. You saw how he just bounced up and he was like, oh. And the the margin fairer is so small with these things. I think he's, in terms of defensive centres... And I think Czech was saying this on the on the telecast that last year maybe he was still making hits like that but missing quite a few as well. So he thinks even this year he's improved again. Mm-hmm. So we might see a few more of those big hits going forward.
1: And it's interesting because those guys are almost sort of direct rivals for the Wallabies 12 jersey potentially um, coming a bit later yeah. in this year. They were sort of the two biggest sort of standouts and it's just a slightly different view. Let's go to that Brumbies-Waratahs game, and Waratahs continuing to break records in all the wrong ways in 2021. Uh, another record-breaking defeat. 61 points to 10 going down to the Brumbies down there uh, in Canberra. And uh, it was just a bit of a bit of a training run in the end, it seemed like, for the Brumbies. Um, the Waratahs seemed like they couldn't put a huge amount together, they had a lot of loose ball and a lot of giving up possession to this Brumbies team that didn't really miss out on too many of the chances they had. Uh, Mac Hansen gets a hat-trick and lots of other tries all throughout um, for the, this Brumbies team. So, I mean, it was entertaining to watch, but a little bit depressing, I'm sure, for Waratah's fans and Rob Penny watching this team um, slump to a second big, big defeat. Yeah, and I have to say, Arch,
2: as a Waratahs fan watching this, I still really enjoyed the game. I was actually found myself <clears throat> wanting the Brumbies to score more. And, um, you know, they're both entertaining and really effective in what they do. Um, and it, I actually thought, you know, Rob Penny after the game was saying, oh, look how dejected and and the boys are really hurting. And I thought, well, that's kind of a thing that coaches say. And then stand in one of their... Um, after match shows was kind of cutting to the dressing room and it just showed you the players were actually like hit in hand, some of them, and, and quite visibly upset. So I know it's, it's two record defeats on the trot, which is something you don't see very often. And I, I guess the the rivalry between, say, the, the Waratahs, the Reds, the Waratahs and the Brumbies is so strong um, that even these younger players would understand that and they feel the pain early on in their careers, obviously, when they're still growing, when they're still learning. And as a Waratahs outfit that's quite inexperienced, I think Rob Penny is right. We need to get around these guys. We need to kind of take care of them because you don't want to whip a dog when it's down, you know, mm. dent their confidence even more. Um, I just struggle to, to see where they go from here from a confidence perspective, from an outlook for the season. Um, there must be so much pressure on on each one of them to to perform well.
0: Yeah, I don't think they'll be sending the schedulers for Super Rugby AU any Christmas presents because that's the hardest two games you could possibly start off with. Away to the Reds and then back down to Canberra um, to try and to try and get a second win. Sorry, to try and get a win in the first two rounds. And um, look, I, yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually not too um, sort of pained by what I saw from the Waratahs. I I think that there was actually a lot of positives. They just it's just a very different context for these two teams. You've got a team that they're not on the ascendancy they they have ascended. They are the top team. they have been for a long time. So many of their players are incumbents for multiple years, developed combinations, good understanding of of the structure and and a, and a very good structure, not just that they're playing whatever the structure is well. I think this is a really effective um system that the Brumbies are running and you know they they give guys like Ikita the opportunity to come in and have another good game um, look really dynamic and dangerous at outside center just run rings around his opposition like that can't contrast that with a team who has lost 1500 plus caps and just all their experienced guys there's there's so few experienced um you know, senior guys with a with a lot of sort of winning experience to bring confidence to the team. And you imagine the the first couple of weeks, like leading into these first two weeks, the, the dressing room, the, the pre season would have been, okay, we know we've got a massive start. We know this is gonna be a massive challenge. Mentally we need to be strong. We need to do our basics well. We need to put pressure on the opposition. Hold, you know, strong defensive line. Like all those sorts of maybe platitudes, but all that that type of um, sort of focus would have been there and they've just had everything turned upside down by having the two worst possible results given back to them even after a whole, you know, pre-season of prep and all the mental and physical conditioning they've gone through. So, you know, horrible for the guys. I really feel for them like they're – obviously, we, we like to slag off a few uh, favorites, but they're humans and they're and they're going to be struggling after this. And I hope that they, they're they in the contest and, and I don't know – who I hope to win, but against the force, I hope it's a good game and they get to execute all right because I think on the weekend, Swinton and Tizano were quite strong, even in a losing side. They were busy. Mm. They were strong. Tizano, again, was everywhere. Dempsey's the one who's letting me down at the moment. I don't know if he's... No, he's just less visible to me. I I feel like he should be making more penetration, but, um, you know, and they had some plans. They had Maroa running lines at Noah Lalesio over and over and over, and L'Alessio just... Did what he needed to do. Went low, made the tackles, bounced up. So the Brumbies took all that in stride and just kept going. But um, you know, those guys had had good games. And overall, I think it's just a immature structure. It just wasn't a match for the Brumbies' structure. Um, Grant looked good at nine. Um, James Ram had a couple of decent yeah, runs. Yeah, like yeah. there's heat. Actually, Graham the two was second big. rowers. The lineouts were good. The scrums were decent. Like there was a lot of uh, of you know, fairly fundamental, but impressive play. Just, just to know that these guys have what it takes. But it, they just didn't yeah. get the result at any point in this game. Every bounce went the wrong way. Um, you know, the refereeing was a lot better in this game than the Rebels game, where I had my hair being torn out. It was an awful refereeing display. But this game was really fair, and they were just outclassed. It's just two teams in a very different part of the cycle.
2: Mm. And um, yeah, shout out to Nick Berry. I think. Best refereeing game I've seen from from him for a while, and let the game flow. And I forgot so. to
0: mention how the refing in the Reds Rebels game. Oh my god, that was awful, yeah, awful refing in that game. Just I don't know, I can't remember who that guy was. was I was bad, just looking it up before. Reffing. It was um, Jordan Way. name. Oh, I hope he doesn't get too many more games on on the primary
2: system. Yeah.
0: first was uh, game, wasn't it? I
2: think so. Uh, it? Oh, I don't think. Man, I've they seen need it. a
0: he needs to do a that's, full game review. He needs to mm. go through that in detail.
2: You could see that. I think it's just someone that's almost too hyped up for a game. Like,
0: but just bad decisions. Just, uh, just bad yeah, calls. Yeah. Wrong calls. You're
2: not bad refereeing when there's a knock on and the opposing team picks up the ball and starts to rock and he blows it up and, like immediately. There's no like, yeah, room no for those guys to actually play advantage and. That's what actually made me think that Nick Berry had a good game as well.
1: Um, Andrew Mertens actually has written an article, um, I think, for a newspaper in Queensland. I'm not exactly sure which one, but talking about the standard of refs. Honest um, to Mage. Yeah, and saying the standards of reffing needs to improve and that there is a little bit of... Um, I don't know whether people are getting ahead not on merit basis, um, so... Yeah, so I, I, I would have to agree with you, Leo, about some of the Tars players, though, standing up and having good games. Um, particularly, I think we were all a bit worried about what Moreau is going to bring as a number 12 role, but I think what he's doing is the basics, right? He's taking up the ball, he's getting over the advantage line and he's giving good ball back to his team as well. So I think you can hardly um, complain about that at all. And I think Ram looks really good whenever he gets some more touches of the ball and that's probably a bit scarce at the moment, which is unfortunate. Um, but if we could, if they could look at getting him a little bit more hands-on ball, whether it's through his specialised backline moves or coming in, I think that'd be a really good option as well. I think we should leave it there because we need to discuss um, what happened over the Tasman Highlanders Crusaders on Friday night. Um, Highlanders kept it close early. Um, some enterprising play from some of the key players like um, Hunt and, and Jonah Nareki, I think, is a bit of a standout looking for them, uh, but couldn't quite keep up with the Crusaders. As we predicted, 26-13, um, even despite a couple of yellow cards to the Crusaders in this game, they still just managed to out- outclass the Highlanders down there at 4 South Bar as well.
0: Yeah, and that's another team which needs to find ways to score more points like they've got a lot of good individuals they need a system that's going to give lots more opportunities and create more openings because they just look a bit stunted you know their talent's there but they just need more yeah they need to create more opportunities and obviously against the crusaders it's going to be the toughest ask i suppose it's yeah it's saying for the season long they need to be trying to hit a couple of tries a match just to build something that they, that they can defend
2: i mean it's it's almost, yeah, it's it's a result that I expected.
0: Mm. I mean, they yeah, look a bit,
2: I think they're a bit thin on the ground in terms of their talent, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got some players that seem to be standing up. I mean, you saw the return of Liam Squire off the bench here. Shannon Frizzell, another cl- uh, strong one. Tuu, the number eight, um, had some impressive sort of performances in there. Um, but yeah, as you said, I think expected really and a lot of more of the same from the Crusaders even with uh, a few players a bit more inexperienced in the back line the likes of Dallas McLeod in there at 12. I think it was his third game for them. And the new sort of 15, uh, Fihaki, had to come in late for Will Jordan. So this is a team that are about to probably add Will Jordan and David Havili back into the fold at some point as well as well as players like George Bridge, so plenty of talent to come back for the Crusaders. Uh, the closer game, even though it ended up a little bit more of a blowout on points, Hurricanes-Blues, Blues taking down 31-16 to 16, uh, on the back of a couple of late breakaway tries, Rico Iwani getting a breakaway in the 77th minute. But early it seemed to be all sort of the Hurricanes were pushing for it, some dynamic play from their hooker um, Asafo Omua, who I think may be looking like he's going to keep Dan Cole's out of uh, the starting lineup if he keeps playing like that. Absolute wrecking ball of a player.
0: They've got three decent hookers, really, because even Ricky Riccatelli's there in the wings too. He was off the bench in this game. Yeah, and he's you know he's been around for a while. He's 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 not a world beater, but he's certainly you'd, you'd have him over no one, right? So.
2: Well, he was—he um, was the up-and-coming guy for a while. Yeah, um, that's right. That was set to kind of um, surpass Dane Cole's, who just seems kind of ageless, really. Yeah. Um, but Amua yeah. seems like a whole nother level to what Rigatelli was bringing in. Such a good running game on him. Um, we saw with that try like he's just can break the line and has a lot of power there. So yeah, I could power see is him. The word. I could see him definitely in the the All blacks frame as well, I think um Cody Taylor obviously had a good game for the Crusaders, but that second spot um I think in the All Blacks in terms of the next few years building to the world cup I think there's there's a bit of opportunity there for for guys to come through, given you've seen like who's the guy from the Highlanders I can't remember his name, I think he Liam came off Coltman. the bench, Liam Coltman he you know, he's been the second or third, probably third choice hooker in the All Blacks setup for a while. Mm. So someone like Amua would probably, would probably, I'd say, take that spot. Mm. Um, and where the Coles are still around with, with Taylor, I can. Amua is probably the third best at the moment.
1: The Blues really seem to be able to shut down um, this Hurricanes back line. And I don't think it was on the back of sort of, we were worried about their halves. They have the new sort of comet combination with, uh, Tomatine and Jackson Garden Bash up there still from last year, um, but the likes of sort of Nani La Marpi Proctor didn't really get much of a um, impact in this game, and Geordie Barrett still looks dangerous when he gets the ball. But I don't know whether it's down to the Blues sort of they've got now the attacking powers, but they seem to have solidified a bit more as a defensive unit as well, um, even with the likes of someone like Harry Plummer in there at twelve, um, him and Ioni I think. Defensively, been working well, and I think that that is helping the Blues a lot because being able to limit to your opposition to under twenty points really means that you you should be able to score um, more than that as that Blues outfit and win most games. Mm.
2: I think they're only just getting warmed up, Um, and that it kind of the game went kind of as I thought it would in some ways.
0: You know, I was picking a bit more of a margin in this one. I agree. I, I thought this was going to be a lot more. Um, close, especially when I saw the the backs up that the Blues decided to field because three of these guys, like they're they're ten, 12, and fifteen, were all once upon a time up and coming fly halves, and now they've managed to get all of them on the field. Obviously, no Bowden, so there was going to be one, but the Terra Black and Plummer and Perifeta, like they they've all had their time trying to be a fly half, and now you know you think that they've got a lot of ball playing um, potential there, a lot of Um, creativity and when you're wielding that with Talia and Ioani and Caleb Clark outside you like huge potential that these guys link up and and again if if as a group that they're if they're a strong defensive unit um, like I think this is this is a nice one to get out of the way because the Hurricanes had the potential to be uh, resurgent this year like maybe maybe get it together and actually unlock all those outside inside, outside backs they've got. And the blues have, have shut them down well in this game. Mm. Um, and even though it's taken them sort of to the death to really blow it out, like again, it's, it's a bit of a red thing. It's like the good teams win tough games and sometimes the scorelines don't really reflect how close they were for a lot of it. I think the blues are one of these tough teams that just knows, knows where they stand. They have a lot of confidence and they, and they tend to carry that for 80 minutes. They don't, they don't get too ruffled anymore which is such a contrast to three four five years ago when they were the team we would regularly talk about you just got to get in their heads got to get them emotional get them get them a bit riled up and they fall apart i think i I would have said that a dozen times in year one of this podcast that that they are that sort of team and you just can't say that anymore it's good
1: Mm. and it it comes to the i think strength of something like their set piece now like their scrum and line out is really solid and, I mean, when, you, when you've got the likes of Ofatunga, Farsi, and Kaltu, and Faki on the bench because you've got Nepo la, la La another All Blacks prop, and a Samoan international in James Light um, starting for you in the props, like, that really makes you <laughs> make sure you have a very powerful team. And you've still got Alex Hodgman somewhere in that squad as well, another All Blacks um, capped prop as well. So I think the Blues, they're, they're looking like they're very much set... To make a run at this this title.
0: And somehow Auckland's becoming the place to be, like the, again. That they couldn't recruit that tier of guys and not in that volume in the past. People didn't want to go to the Blues. They felt like it was a, you know, um, a uh, a weaker opportunity. A and yeah, well, just that's didn't, it. Didn't yeah, it was the culture thing, wasn't so it? So different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, I, I think that unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately everyone's with... going to have to bail out of Auckland now again. Yeah. But um lucky Katera they're all the was lights.
2: saying that he's like, "Oh, we got the buy, but not looking forward to lockdown." So, that's unfortunate, but I think Liam McDonald's really been the the turning point for them. I think Tana, you know, like probably wasn't ready for that head coaching role, and it's good yeah. to see he's still in the setup. But Liam McDonald has just really taken them across the last couple of years strength to strength, and hmm. um, yeah, it's good to see because we know Auckland is the Auckland area is a powerhouse for New Zealand rugby, and it's good to see that there's actually a team now that people can go and support and be proud
1: of. Absolutely. All right, let's let's jump forward to round two of Super Rugby Aotearoa because we get to see the Chiefs next week down there in Hamilton um, taking on the Highlanders, which should be a pretty interesting um, game to see where the Chiefs are going to come from in 2021, whether we're going to see a repeat performance of. 2020 or we're going to see the Chiefs of two or three years ago that were dynamic and challenging anyone in this competition. What Chiefs do you think we get to see on Friday night?
2: I think we get to see a Chiefs team that's back to what they were showing more in 2019. Um, I think they'll be resurgent. Although the, the Highlanders will be I think better for the hit out against the Crusaders, the Chiefs get to come in having reviewed them and almost with a bit of an element of surprise, I guess, as to how they'll play. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to see them playing Gatlin Ball. I know that Warren's not around at the moment, but I think they need to play their free-flowing style, play with some exuberance and unpredictability. I think if Damian McKenzie's at full flight um, with guys like, you know, Anton Leonard Brown, I think that back line will be pretty electric and... Um, have a look for, I guess, Solomon and Alamalo getting a bit of revenge. Maybe he'll be trying to get his revenge up in in Hamilton. But I think overall these two teams will be pretty well matched. But I think the Chiefs are, are going to take the win.
0: Yeah, the Chiefs, I, I would have to give them the advantage coming into this game just because they're going to be fresh. They've had a chance to scheme the Highlanders and what they've seen. And I can't imagine they're as bad as they were last year. Like, it's just so out of the ordinary they've got this home game to start off and they're playing a team who again is, is probably lower ladder, um, dweller material and maybe, maybe could upset, but I, I would say the chiefs have a good chance in this one because, because of those reasons I already said, and guys like McKenzie, they, they, and Sam Kane, like they're, they're leaders. They're, they're strong players. They're mentally strong. Like hopefully they put last year behind them. And I'm sure they've got some new tricks up their sleeve. I, I think they're probably the favourites in this game, rightfully so, but you know, still a margin of I don't know, could be could be as close as five points early season, not too not too high scoring.
1: Damien McKenzie at fullback or at ten?
0: Yeah, hard to fullback. say. Full back. I think he would want to be at fifteen. I, I really don't I don't think he's a he wants to be at ten. It's just really what options do they have? Feel like you can slot more guys into 15. There'd be some back three guys they can drop into 15 if they have to, and you can't just put anyone into 10. So,
2: who are their options at 10? I can't actually recall that.
0: So, between Bryn Gatlin and Caleb Truss, like not not having seen much of their preseason, I, I guess if one of those guys has uh, stood up enough, then you would hope they'd be trying to get McKenzie back in the fullback because he just doesn't get enough space. If, if the forwards aren't going forward, the the game game lines too close and as ten he just gets suffocated and it's just such a waste I think he can do a lot more a lot more work out wide if they can get a um, a serviceable ten in place inside him
2: because mm, I think they do if they if they can actually get ten settled um, you know having Brad Weber at, at number nine good player season player you know I think They've got enough experience and quality across that back line to be really dangerous. And I think that the forward pack equally has enough good players in it to to really come out and dominate some teams. I think uh, I, particularly in the back row. Um,
1: they've got a lot you know of... You well, do a...
2: Bashir, Sam Kane.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Their back row has always been sh- strong and they've always seemed to be in that position where they almost play five back rowers because they don't really seem to have that many locks. Um, so they just fit people in. I mean, they've they've got a couple of the young guys that were sort of in the all-black squad uh, last year, like Vi and um, Natoa Okoi. um, some of these really young locks that are going to get more of a chance and to hopefully grow um, in Super Rugby this year. But I, I, I do worry about their ability to dominate um, up in the tight stuff, in the set piece sometimes, and I think if that's the place where, the, if the Highlanders are strong, um, they might be able to sort of cripple the momentum for a Chiefs team that likes just some free-flowing ball mm.
2: That's that's a fair call because I think you have to set the platform as we know, you have to be going forward you need quick ball for Brad Weber to access and unlock that, that Chiefs backline mm. if they can, if the Highlanders stifle that early, then yeah, you're right. They they might keep this game really close. And actually, have a chance to chip away at the Chiefs at home.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Highlanders in a very close one. But I think I think um, I don't think they're gonna be fatigued, Leo, from their first game. Um, in I don't think that's enough. They should be ready. I reckon they're gonna have found some errors and ironed out some of them, made things a little bit more sleek. Um, look for Jonah Nareki again to have a strong game. He's Really dynamic with the ball in hand and he's got a really good left boot um, that really helps keep the Highlanders um, on the front foot and get them out of trouble as well. On Saturday, Crusaders versus the Hurricanes, and that's down in Christchurch. First home game for the Crusaders. Uh, and then the Hurricanes, I mean, it's, it's a tough ask, losing your first game. You would have hoped to come into this with a victory already, and then coming up against the Crusaders. Um, it's tough i don't know the last time the hurricanes would have won against the crusaders is going back sort of 2018 and the last time they won at christchurch is going back to 2016 so it's it's a tough history and the the probability's got to be with the crusaders
2: yeah i think so and although the the, the hurricanes are always dangerous on their day they can beat anyone on their day we know that but away from home i think it's a tough ask Crusaders are only going to get healthier. And we know they're slow starters and maybe this is a good chance to, to catch them off guard. But, um, you know, if they couldn't get a win at home for Artie's 100th against the Blues, I think they're going to struggle going away to Christchurch and playing the Crusaders. So I'll safely take the Crusaders in this. I think they'll continue to get better. And although the Hurricanes aren't a, a bad side at all, um, yeah, I think the Crusaders will run away with
0: it. I think I think you'd be making money. If you just no matter who was going to Christchurch was uh, you were always betting that they'd lose. I'm not sure an All Blacks team picked of the other four super sides versus the Crusaders at home. Ooh. I'm not. I'm not even sure. I would definitely back them if they were both at full strength. Ooh. Like the Crusaders is just they're just a, like they're they're bigger than the sum of their parts. So I'm never gonna never gonna tip against them at home, and I'll happily be wrong one That's, out of fifteen. Oh,
1: I'd the love line... to see that.
0: I know Because I mean Realistically Most of the All Blacks Are Crusaders Right A lot of them are So You take those guys out Is that All Blacks team Good so, enough to beat the unit Who are the Crusaders Okay so
1: Just really quickly Running through What sort of team You'd have like Two of the props From the Blues With like Dan Coles At the front You'd have Dane, Dane
0: Coles. Coles Can we say Dane is that a... Isn't Dan Cole Like an English Oh yeah. sorry Dane Coles <laughs> Dan
1: Coles <laughs> a type Show the man some prop. respect
0: or king hit you <laughs>
1: Um, Locks you'd have Patrick Tuilotu and maybe one of the young guys from the Chiefs like Tupavi, um, back row you'd still have Sam Kane you'd have Hoskins too and like I think Liam the combination Squire. team
2: will, wins well. Really? Sam Kane, Aaron Smith, like you take the Blues Aaron team Smith. and you just fill Who's in the gaps. Who's
1: your ten? Um, it would You've got no button at the moment.
0: Oh, no, we have to pick McKenzie now. <laughs> uh would be Ontario Black.
1: Probably, probably would, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And then you'd have like... No, nice KK, not a You'd have Leonard <laughs> Brown, Enrico Ioani, Caleb Clark. Yeah.
0: yeah, they are pretty Look, They'd be a very good team, but depending... If you it's give them a month cohesion. to prepare, maybe. It's cohesion. But that's right. yeah. yeah. You give them a week. You pick Fair them enough. and you give them a, a Monday to Friday to prepare for a Saturday. I think the Crusaders are still favourites, and that's why I will tip them every time.
2: for for someone that watches say more Australian rugby than New Zealand rugby for example I think if you're used to seeing the Brumbies and the cohesion they show I think the Crusaders almost that to the next level like they're the two standout teams in super rugby that continue to bring guys through year to year but they have a solid base their system's always in place well and their cohesion is just off the charts so often if there's even a few guys out they can still adjust and and guys come in and they bided their time and they're well prepared. Guys like Mac Hansen, for example, that you know was was waiting in the wings, comes through and then scores a hat trick. So mm. Crusaders, I think, quality's there. They're set for again another title. Is that going to be what is it four in a row if they win the competition this year in New Zealand? I guess these these titles that we're throwing around, you know, obviously they're
0: it's not they're just and Domestic
2: titles. They're not the overall title, which yeah. we hopefully we'll get to see. At some point in Trans Tasman competition um, in a few weeks' time. But yeah, I'd, look, the Crusaders to me are just still the team to beat. Um, so I think that, yeah, the Canes are going to struggle and the Bookies have got a, a line of 10 in this game. Mm-hmm. So
1: more. I disagree yeah, with that. I think away from home it's tough. It's going to yeah. be tough for the Canes. Super Rugby AU and the Waratahs finally get a home game. Uh, this year they host the force in sydney at bankwest stadium force obviously coming off a bye taz do they need to prove something here to show that they or well, to help sort of rob penny hold onto his job he said even after the game that he he'd cop the cop the blame
2: yeah well he's saying you know if there's a better man for the job than me i'm not going to stand in their way and i it's,
0: it's whether a fair it, sentiment.
2: It's whether there's, if there is understanding between him and the management that, look, this is a season where, you know, you've still been disrupted from last year. It's probably not the roster that you really want yet. We're still building towards something. You have time. Just keep plugging away. Like, if he has support of the board, then by saying things like that, there's no real threat. But is it equally if there is some tension there and he's just sending them a message saying, look, you know, kind of kind of calling their bluff a little bit in some ways. I don't think he's going to get fired. You know, if they keep losing, I still don't think he's going to get fired. But he's trying to take the, the focus on off himself by saying it's not about me as well at the same time.
0: I think in some ways he's trying to maybe allow the focus to rest on him to give the players a bit of space. Um, no, but without without taking,
2: he's saying it's about the players and the the well-being of the players. He's not no, that's saying right. this that's...
0: is my responsibility. But, he never says but, that by making but by making the point. No, that's why I'm saying that. Like, allow the focus to rest on him, not taking the blame. But if he makes a comment like if they think there's someone else bet more suitable for the job, then that's you know okay, fair enough. And that just means people are like, oh, shouldn't what... he be
2: saying I'm the man for the job? Look, I haven't you know. I think he's probably I, already, I already said, said that. These guys are.
0: I think Rob Penny taking the focus at least to say. If I'm not the right guy for the job, well, that's for the you know the, the club to decide. Blah blah blah. That just that just lets people even just for another week, just you know put a little bit more coach focus on it than players because he said mm. the players need some space, the players need some love. That they, they've had a tough eyes. They've been shattered after, pre season building up to a couple of big weeks and they've just been absolutely belted. Um, like, he he is, essentially, he's in season two, right? He's, <laughs> use an analogy. He's out there, like planting the seeds of some potentially big things, trying to get some potential out of these guys. And he's, you know, his first crop. He's had a drought and bushfires, and he, and people are like, "Why don't you have a whole heap of stuff to show for your effort?" And he's like, "Well, come on, like they've they've employed him for a long-term um, position to develop something. And you don't you don't cut someone down when they achieve nothing after a year and a half when you basically give Unless, them nothing. It's like a fire. year."
1: Yeah, it's like it's, but he started with less
0: than nothing, right? He started with a squad that he had no involvement picking and he had all these sort of his like contracts for guys who were going to disappear and like so hard to start from that point that if they didn't give him 3 years to to get something going, I think they'd be kidding themselves that anyone could have done better.
2: Do you do you guys actually think though that there's I think there's tension there. I think he's getting this is not the scrutiny is there, obviously, from the media, but I think there may be some unrest, unrest internally. I don't, I don't know. Think he's, you can see it in I his face. Media I, up. Real strain there. It's not just like, oh, this is unfortunate. It's like this—he's really taking this hard. He's not used to coaching teams that lose. And he like said this. that.
0: He said he yeah. hasn't been in this situation before. So I reckon anything you see that's strain in him is him being like, you know, come on, why can't I? It's, I don't think it's necessarily all pressure but where's, from
2: above. I think so we need he calm himself.
0: here. I think we need
2: like a calm yeah. here to be like, guys, it's fine. Like He looks like...
0: Well, Hopefully that's fascinated. what his bosses are saying.
2: I don't think they are. That's why I think he's kind
0: of reacting if, in this way. If they aren't, then they're the typical Waratahs management, which is 100%. why the Waratahs have been such a debacle.
2: But this is the problem, right? It's all driven by you know, how many people are going to turn up at Bankwest to watch them now against yeah, the force safe. that actually a team that you'd want to go and see but because of the way they've been playing last two weeks it's just mm. people probably won't be motivated to turn up well, so they'll probably the get less than 10,000 and then also because of this new deal with Stan there's pressure on the Sydney market to be strong you know for the Waratahs to be strong so that you get the viewership so there's multiple pressures coming on him I think that's probably been communicated. So it's, it's almost like there's so much going on above where he sits, but he'd be well aware of it, I think. Yeah. And so no. it's, if he was coaching the force and they were losing like this, you'd just kind of go, okay. So that's unfortunate. But it's because it's the biggest rugby market in Australia and the team that's really flailing. And historically, you know, losing games by historic margins. So I just think he can't hide from that. So I, I worry for him because I think he doesn't deserve to lose his job, but I think the potential is there at the end of the AUU season. If, if, they, if they lose eight games, a worst-case scenario, which I don't think will happen. But if he loses all eight, I could see him getting getting the boot. And I think yeah, that would yeah. be really unfair. But given the pressures that surround his position, just think it it might be too hard for them to persevere with him i think that would be to the detriment of the playing group going forward
0: as well you make really good points that like the all that broadcast stuff that's like huge and you're right we need a strong product to support that but i think the point still remains that the waratahs hopefully because hopefully have invested long term because they needed to invest long term they need to build a foundation from, you know, like their new stadium, it's, they're starting with nothing and they're resetting completely. And for anyone to believe that that's just going to happen in a season and a half, two seasons, is crazy. And they've got to look at the long game, which is, you know, in three to four years, you want a team of the Waratahs that are shaping like the Reds of a year or two ago, mm. upsetting a few teams, showing a lot of heart, showing that they're all, you know, unified and that rugby in Sydney is turned around. Whereas if they go and cut bait with Rob Penny, in the next 12 months you're consigning the next guy to the same situation or worse than what penny had so how are you going to do better
2: i'm not sure coaching is the problem i think recruitment's the problem i think depth in their roster is a problem i don't think they have the quality of young players that say the reds had three
0: years ago but that's at this department hasn't been coming through for the last few years so they are starting at Zero yeah. zero. And and they don't look like an attractive prospect to people when they're <clears> losing so much. So the pressure may be yeah, I think so more on himself that he can't get problem. some that's right. If he can't get wins, he's thinking, geez, I can't turn this around. This is this is so much more challenging than I've had before. And it's going to be so much harder to bring in some quality guys who are not just desperate for an opportunity, who actually want to come and win and be successful. Like that's that's what he needs from this season. He's to show some potential to mm. potential recruiters, uh, to guys he wants to recruit. Hey, there's something here and you should be part of it. This is worth being a part of.
1: Mm. Look, I tend to... I'll echo what I said, I think, last week um, in the fact that I think his job gets decided on the matches against the Force and the Rebels, not the matches against the Reds and the Brumbies. Sure, That's the record defeats isn't a great look, but if he comes out here and they have a strong game against the Force, if they win against the Force... Then it's uh, already a different look for the whole season. Okay?
0: They need to win this, I think. And I think they will. I think they must win. I think they will win this. I I reckon they're, like, what they showed last week, I think there was enough positives. They need to work together uh, to reinforce what they did well. Basics game. Um, Then I think one on one in defence, they're going to have to be strong because that's maybe the risk with the force that. I don't know if their system and their unit is really well developed, but they have some really strong individuals they've brought in who may break open the game if the Waratahs fail one on one. You know, you miss Moreau or Newsome, or someone misses a tackle in midfield, and all of a sudden you got Carney. Maroa. playing. It's not Moroia. Sorry, da- I'm sorry. Dan
1: Coles. Dan Coles. Uh... <laughs> <That's right. Thanks. laughs> That's good.
0: Yeah, like the, the, the Waratahs need to be strong as a unit. They are they they are only going to be competitive if they are more than the sum of their parts. So, they need to be a strong cool. unit and not not look to blow this game out. Look to control the game. Possession is key. The Brumbies took all the possession off them. They need to take possession off the Force, and take some penalty kicks. Take some points. Yeah, early. I was going to say, did they Temple take a stuff?
1: leaf out of the Rebels' book and just kick penalties when they got They got, got Harrison
0: right? kicking well. You got to you, you got to accumulate points. Yeah. Is an and Harrison, is,
2: he, he's almost the best kicker in Australian rugby at the moment in terms of um, accuracy, consistency. Oh, he is.
1: He did have Across a very accurate year last year. But we've seen he's very good. Some but, very good kicking displays. from. Yeah, you do what the Rebels through. did. Yeah. You defend
2: well and you, you build pressure and you, you capitalise on those three-point opportunities, particularly against a force team that isn't going to completely rip you apart with tries, I don't think. They're more likely to just chip away at you as well. So it would be, it might be a bit of a cagey affair. Um, but the force of favourites...
1: Who are you, who are you taking, fair, Toby? My... Are you sticking with the bookies?
2: I'm leaning towards the force by, by like a margin of three or so. I think it'll be a really close game. Waratahs oh. have so much more to lose which I think the pressure on them is immense. Not sure if they're going to be, if that's going to make them play better. I think that could actually, things don't come together early in the game. The force might just, because the force are playing, they're happy, they're back. They're like, this is great. We're traveling around. We played at home already. We played pretty well against the Brumbies. Western Barbarians. Watch the Waratahs get absolutely towed up by a team that we... Kept the the margin respectably, yeah. Um, and now we get to go into their house with all these savvy veterans that who know how to win, and I think that's going to be the difference. Mm. I think the Waratahs may really struggle, and it's not going to be it's not going to be a big defeat if it's a defeat. Um, I really hope the Waratahs win, but I, I I'm not confident at all.
1: Yeah, I got a. My first instinct was the force, and I mean, it, it will depend a little bit on what teams they're able to put up this week. Um, if the, if we do start to see any sort of changes from the TARS sort of team, I don't think they have a huge amount of options, But and what the Western Force put together. Saturday night, and this back down in Canberra GAO Stadium, the Brumbies now hosting the Rebels. So they're just cleaning up after the Reds, it seems, at the moment. Every team that goes and plays the Reds then has to head to Canberra to play the Brumbies. And it's this game has been reversed. It was initially supposed to be down in Melbourne, but due to lockdowns and um, travel restrictions, uh, it's been flipped around. So this game will be in Canberra and then the reverse fixture um, will hopefully be in Melbourne. Just it means that the Rebels are able to travel across to Western Australia for the week after against the Force.
0: Jeez, you are all over this. I had, I had a whole mental... Uh, kind of a pretzel spiel, gaunt, like thinking the rebels are at least at home against this Brumbies side. Like use that to their bit, like Very unfortunate set of circumstances for them to go to Canberra and and face a buoyant Brumbies side who will just be, you know, well, I'm not not thinking they're going to have an easy week at training. I don't think they're complacent, but geez, they'll be they'll be amped up and they'll be looking for more blood. I reckon the the rebels are going to have to be really really. Tough in defence again. Um, the Brumbies broke out all over the place in this game um, against the Tars So um, if the Rebels can stifle that like they did with the Reds, they've still just got to find find a way to score some more points because this is this is this strong structure with lots of options for the Brumbies. Between um, <clears throat> between Nick White and Noah Lalaseo, L- L- they can just distribute the ball to so many different people in each phase. Um, if the Rebels can't emulate something like that and disguise what they're doing and, and break out of the the Brumbies' line, like, geez, it's it's going to be it could be a low-scoring affair um, until the Brumbies break it open late in the game. Like, I feel like it could be a real grind just trying to wrestle the the Brumbies and keep them in touch.
2: I think they'll be too classy for the Rebels. I think the Rebels' defence, if they can bring what they brought in in week two, well. Maybe they have some sort of chance of keeping it close, but I I would still be picking a Brumbies by 15 sort of result in this. Um, I hope they go with the same team. They don't kind of rotate players and try and give guys opportunities because I think the team they have at the moment working so well, been so impressed with Noel Alessio. I've got to say it correctly. Um he was, he's been excellent. His defense has been better. His combination with Nick White is only growing. Um, equally, Simone and Iketau, wow. look, They look great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just those four players and then the back three and the back line, again, full of points. Um, so Brumby set-piece versus Rebels, I just I see such a mismatch there in terms of quality of players across the park. And although the, the Rebels kept it kept it tight against the Reds, I think it might be a different story down, down in Canberra. I think the refereeing probably won't assist the Rebels in the way it did last week. I think there won't be as many handling errors from a team like the Brumbies. Mm. And I think with that wave, that Brumbies wave that's flowing now, I expect them to get another big crowd in, hopefully ten to 15,000. And I think they will again show their class, and I think they'll get a good win.
1: Yeah, hard to argue with any of those points there. I'd like to echo your sentiments on hopefully we get some better refereeing displays um, this weekend to allow a bit more free-flowing game, which I think if we do, as you said, it's going to hurt the Rebels more than the stop-start, multiple penalties, options to kick long-range goals with either Tamu or Hodge in there.
2: Then the Brumbies have the Reds at home. The following week. It's amazing. What a run.
0: Well, it wasn't supposed to be home, 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 but after going know, away to the Forces, yeah. It's, it's convenient it's, for them, isn't it? Good schedule. Like a but long, it means they've, means they've got a big it's, tour it's later. Tough. Yeah. Back into this season. Then the right? they have
2: the bye, right? Actually, they have the buy. Then they've got the Forces. Force, force at, at home. And then, and
1: then they go to New South Wales. They, it's not too yeah. bad.
0: Queensland and Melbourne. That's, They're going to have to go all over the place at the end. That's decent. I don't know if they lose a game. Maybe not, but I guess for them it's it's runs on the board early because then they go. That's into what they said it as well. They yeah. said that. Yeah, it's it's Take all about home. getting the scoreboard dominance as on the on the table, and Is there, they're going to be challenging teams who are just tr- playing for second. Really, what's
2: the run now? Is it seventeen from eighteen at Canberra now? The last eighteen games, I think they've only dropped one.
1: Yep. And um, who was that to? The Rebels.
0: <laughs> archie has got his Rebels... shorts on. Rebels are back, a funny team.
2: I find them really hard to predict, but surely you can't pick a Rebels win.
1: No, I don't think anyone's <laughs> picking a Rebels win. Um, definitely, definitely taking the Brumbies. But I'm just saying, just saying. Um, just so you can hedge. Just hedge This and, has like an old school feel and... about this
2: Brumbies set up. Like, it feels like we're back in their heyday almost, or at least in the early 20- 2010s, where you know, they had to Mulele, Leofano, and Drani kind of combos going and seems like the next iteration of that
1: yeah I mean the amount of young Wallabies players that they have in this setup and yeah it's earmarked with a couple of veterans through there um but definitely it's definitely feeling a bit that way that we're entering a dominance by them that's not not gonna end anytime soon I think we'll all just be looking forward to that Red Thro- uh, Brumbies game because I think that's going to be um, just so exciting to see a bit later in the season. Well, that pretty much does it from us, boys. Um, another weekend full of rugby. No Six Nations this weekend. But do remember, if you are up on with Stan Sport, that Japanese Top League is on there. You're seeing lots of our favourite players from the likes of Bowdoin Barrett to... Uh, Kerebi, to Bernard Foley on the weekend playing well for the Kubota Spears as well. So make sure you're checking out some of those highlights or at least having a look at Stand Sport, uh on Instagram at Sport au as well as our own page at Running Rugby Podcast because you can see some of the highlights coming through for some of these games as well. Um, and it's really great to see some of those players that you may forget that how good these guys are and you get to see some of their skills um, against the best players in the world at a sort of club level and you can catch up with that every week if you're sick and tired of watching uh, the Waratahs or the or the rebels for a week just just tune on to that um, as I said make sure you're following us on all the social media at running rugby podcast on Instagram that at, running rugby pod on Twitter um, and make sure you have subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen. That's all for us for another week we'll be back next week. It's so good to be mid season again. I can't wait to start talking about internationals soon and start talking about our Wallabies team's way too early predictions. But we'll leave that for another week. Until then, keep on running.
0: Run.